It's important we look at the facts. Why? Why? Douglas Ross is sounding pretty scared. I believe in independence. And he clapped like a seal. Hello and welcome to another Planet Hollywood. I'm Paul Hutchin, political editor of the Daily Record. Joining me this week to chew over the main political events in Scotland are Chris McCall, the Deputy Political Editor of The Record, and Ben Borland, Editor of the Scottish Daily Express. And I think that since we started Planet Hollywood, we've started every episode with the police investigation into SNP finances, but it's been much quieter on that front in the last seven days. It's almost like we're getting back to normal politics. So I think that we'll put that much further down the agenda. Um, I think that let, let's start off with that extraordinary opinion poll that came out a couple of days ago, which showed um, huge Labour gains, I think about 23 seats from the SNP to Labour, which if replicated at the next general election would be a pretty seismic thing. Um, Chris, just starting with you, you know, the SNP have dominated Scottish politics since 2007. Labour have been in the doldrums. They only won one seat at the last general election. What, what did you make of this poll, which would show them pretty much routing the SNP in parts of the central belt? I mean, there's no get away from the fact it was an extraordinary poll. Um, what it tells us is that Come the general election, which will be likely um, maybe next spring, if not next spring, the next October, but whenever it is in 2024, we're going to see an almighty scrap between the SNP and Labour, particularly in the central belt of Scotland. Because what that poll showed us was that in Greater Glasgow, in the city, in Renfrewshire, in Lanarkshire, it seems that every SNP-held constituency is now really in play for Labour that they have a decent shot, at, if not taking the seat, then coming very, very close. And that partly explains why we've been hearing reports for quite some time that the SNP group at Westminster, there's been some unhappiness about the direction of the party and about the messaging that the MPs down there have been have been, been asked to, kind of, to get on board with. That obviously led to Ian Blackford being deposed in December last year by Stephen Flynn and uh, with Mary Black now as his deputy there. So we have a new broom um, at Westminster on the SNP. And I think the polling that the SNP internally will have been looking at partly explains that and then is then confirmed by the poll that we're now talking about this week. I mean, 23 potential losses from the SNP to Labour, um, some big scalps potentially, Mary Black among them. She could lose her seat in Paisley. Um, it's just, it's, I mean, obviously it's a poll, you know, we can't get carried away with it. As politicians like to remind us, the only poll that counts is the one, you know, an actual, on election day itself. And there's a lot of water to flow under the bridge between now and 2024. So things could change. But right now, it suggests that Labour, particularly in the central belt of Scotland and the urban heartlands that they used to dominate for so very long, Labour is now back in the mix. And... There will be quite a few SNP MPs who will be feeling a bit uncomfortable with that poll out this week. And Ben, there was a second poll that wasn't quite so good for Labour, but again showed the direction of travel, which is 
Labour making gains at the expense of the SNP. Um, looks like we're going to have this by-election in Rutherglen and Hamilton West. I mean, are we seeing the signs of a political realignment in Scotland? It certainly seems that way. Um, I mean, whether it's a case of uh, th th there's voters who just want rid of the Tory government and have, have, have finally realised that Labour are in with a shot of, of forming the next government and Keir Starmer's in with a shot of being the next Prime Minister. So they're going to lend the votes to Labour for this general election. I did see a video on social media where uh, someone said he'd always voted SNP, but he was going to vote Labour this time because it was, if he voted Labour, it would get the Tories out. Mm. So that, that you know, that, that that's perhaps not such a bad um, long-term position for the Nats because it suggests that there's there's voters who are just almost tactically voting to to to, to defeat Rishi Sunak and and the Tories. Um, but um, the alternative is that yeah, it, th there's been you know we're back to where we were for fifty years with Labour being the, the main party in Glasgow and Lanarkshire in the Central Belt. Yeah, and Chris. I mean, you... There's such enmity between Labour and the SNP. They're both chasing after the same voters. Do you sense that they're now turning on each other, um, whereas before they were maybe, you know, turning their guns on the Conservatives and the Conservative government? So historically, of course, there was no love lost between Labour and the SNP, and as you suggested. It's largely down because they were trying to appeal to the same core of voters. And for a long, long time, you know, the late 20th century, Labour was quite comfortable in fending off the SNP when it came to Westminster elections. It was obviously conducted on a first-past-the-post basis with uh, the most votes wins, and Labour, more often than not, was always the winner. And obviously, when we, along comes devolution in 1999 with a slightly different voting system, allowed the SNP to get a foothold in establish themselves and go on eventually to supersede Labour and that uh, historic breakthrough in 2007 when the SNP became the biggest party here in the, the Scottish Parliament and it's been a long painful decline for Labour since then. So ben, yeah, we're... Ben, I mean, people are expecting Labour to take Rutherglen and Hamilton West uh, given everything that's happened to the SNP but it's the difference between having good polls, having a bit of momentum in the newspapers, and actually winning the seat. Do you think that there's a bit of pressure on Anas Sarwar and Scottish Labour to actually come good here? I think I, think I said last time I was on here, there's, there's a lot of pressure on Labour to win this seat, and if they don't, it'll be a disaster. I, I, I was thinking about that after the last broadcast, and actually... Labour's going to smash Rutherglen and Hamilton West. It, it's a, so. Yeah, it's a marginal seat. It was a marginal seat anyway. You know, back when the SNP were riding high, Nicola Sturgeon could do no wrong. Labour were weak and flip-flopping around all over. And, and it's, it was still a marginal seat. Labour will romp Rutherglen and Hamilton West. I, I oh, well. think 
it'll be you've heard it here folks you've heard it here folks a huge a huge victory and no matter put the national picture to one side you've got Margaret Ferrier who clearly clearly has stolen a living for two years because she should have stood down two years ago voters down there will send a message and the message will be A, we're tired of the SNP B, Margaret Ferrier is a disgrace and even though she pretends to be an independent, she votes with the SNP, she sits with the SNP she's an SNP MP in all but name, that they're going to get a horrible wake-up call in, in Rutherglen and Hamilton West. Now, as, as the editor of the Express, obviously, I don't want to see Keir Starmer in number 10. Um, and the, the worrying thing about this YouGov poll is that it suggests that Scottish voters could hand the keys to Downing Street to Labour. And just as Rishi Sunak gets the country back on track, just as the economy's starting to look rosy, we could end up with another Labour government and... Hold on. I mean, the, the Tories drove the car to the ditch, didn't they? It's, it's their fault work in this well, mess. Well, it was it, it was put right very quickly. If, if to, to use that analogy, the cart was dragged out of the ditch, the wheels were put back on, the driver was sacked, and we were back on the road again. The food inflation is nearly 20% around the same drivers back to the 70s. No, hold on. Food inflation is almost at 20%. Infl uh, interest rates are still going up. Where, where is the sign that they've turned the corner? Well, interest rates always lag behind three months. I think we're expecting to see interest rates start to fall soon. There was some good um, economic news this week. Uh, obviously, we've got the, 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 the announcement about the new Jaguar Land Rover plant down in Bristol, which sort of puts to bed some of the Brexit scaremongering we've had as uh, you know jo jobs are coming to the UK. I think what, what voters in Scotland want is for... Um, the, the SNP and Labour to both kind of stop this bickering and get on board with with, with Team UK. Well, we expect to be grateful that, you know, there's green shoots of recovery despite the fact that the Tories crashed the economy. Well, well when you put it like that, yeah, I mean... I mean that, that's, what, that's what the Trust government did. I mean, you know, it caused absolute havoc. I think there's one think tank that estimates that she cost us about 30 billion quid and now Rishi rice to the rescue and you know um well at least it has it. you know it has ridden to the rescue a mistake mistakes were made they were put right quickly you know but people make mistakes I think I think you can contrast that with Scotland where mistakes are just compounded year upon year and never put right um, well, because... Let's focus on the Scottish government then. So um, their independent strategy is a bit of a guddle. Um, the, the Scottish government's preferred strategy was a joint agreement with Westminster. That's not going to happen. Um, and the Supreme Court has said that it's a reserved issue anyway. Um, Nicola flagged up a de facto referendum. There's not much support for that either. And so Hamza is now announced this special independence convention next month to hammer out a new strategy. Chris, is this what people want to hear just now from the SNP? Um, you know, how they're going to 
get to independence or, or do they want the government to focus on bread and butter issues? I think the interest in this convention for people other than SNP members may be pretty low at the moment. Um, as you mentioned, people are more worried about right now the cost of food in the shops, which despite welcome news that inflation may be beginning to fall, the cost of food, we all see it in the supermarkets every time we go to a Tesco or a Sainsbury's or a Morrison's, just extraordinary, the cost of you know household staples. That's the sort of thing that people are really fretting about just now. And when the general election rolls out next year, people are going to be wanting answers from big parties on you know the cost of living, the cost of energy, the cost of household bills. Will they really be talking about the SNP strategy for achieving independence? Well, I mean, some Scots will because polls tell us that you know, half of the country, roughly speaking, is still very much for independence. But do they want it right now? Are they want it in the immediate term? Or is this a more longer term thing they're thinking about? I mean, I suppose the convention, when it happens next June, uh, sorry, next month in June, you know, that will maybe address some of these issues because right now the party doesn't have a clear path for getting a referendum. Uh, when the Supreme Court last year blocked Nicola Sturgeon's plan, um, they haven't really been able to get a convincing case together over what happens next. There was obviously a lot of talk over a de facto referendum. It was never exactly explained what that was going to mean in reality. Mm. And I would be surprised, to put it mildly, if that's the, the path that the party chose to follow when they do meet next month. I think voters and members want to hear something much more convincing about what they do next. Ben, um, there are different bits of the independence movement at each other's throats, Alaba and the SNP. You also had about 48% of uh, SNP members who vote in the contest go for Kate Forbes. Um, do you think this convention is about sort of healing internal uh, SNP divisions uh, than it is about actually reaching out to voters? Yeah, very possibly. Um, I mean, they never got the convention back in March because of Nicola Sturgeon's abrupt resignation. So, so it's almost like it's been delayed and, and this is a chance for everyone to say what they were going to say back then. It's, it's you know, it's, it's a closed shop. I, I agree with Chris. I don't think anyone's going to be interested beyond the, the immediate membership. The de facto referendums come back. I mean, the YouGov poll, that we were talking about earlier suggests the SNP won't get anywhere near 50%. Um, so why yeah, are the Yeah, no, no, you're right. But just, 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 you know, one thing though, I mean, the polls have shown a fallen SNP support, but they're still pretty good when it comes to support for independence. Um, on that no, yes no question, it's kind of, it's kind of it, it, it's falling. I mean, there's been polls where it's down back into the 30s again for a long time. Labour, you know, Scottish politics was very predictable. Labour were the, the, the major party, um, and independence support was around a third. That that mm. was the picture for, for, for certainly for my first years in Scotland, and, and I understand for a long time before that. Are we going back to that? Is it, are we going back to the, 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 the sort of status quo where Labour's the, the, the dominant party and independence is around a third? One in three Yeah, I think you can also see signs of, you know, for the last decade or so, 
Um, people's voting preferences in elections has been linked to their constitutional preference. But I think the last few polls have shown a sort of decoupling of that, where you've got clearly pro-independence voters switching to Labour. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's what I was saying before. There will be. Yeah, definitely. To Now, whether once you've switched to Labour, do you then sort of think, well, you know, let, let's put this off for... I mean, here's an idea. Why not put it off for a generation? I believe uh, some politicians maybe once mentioned that there'd be uh, a, a once-in-a-generation vote or, or something along those lines. So Just out of interest, how would, you, how would you define a generation? Um, well, 20 years. <laughs> so that would that would mean what? Uh, 2034. 2034. 15 to 20. I mean, I, you might argue that we've not had any, you know, the debate never stopped. It started again on the morning of 19th September. So if you're going to be really harsh, you should say the generation should start today. So maybe 15 years from, from so it's 2038. Um, wow, but what a revelation. The, the, the express backs a second referendum in 2038. <laughs> I'll, I'll be long gone by then, so. One thing I was going to say about the, the Independence Convention, I saw Ash Regan um, suggesting yeah. that the party needs to be more belligerent and aggressive in uh, converting no voters to yes, which... I mean, if, if they haven't been belligerent and aggressive so far, then goodness me. Yeah. This is not really floating my boat. Has this got something to do with thermometer or is that completely <laughs> I think so. Yeah, someone suggested it's going to be like an, an aggression thermometer. Yeah, wonderful. I mean, yeah, that's, okay, well, moving on to that, domestic that's issues. That's so far removed from the right way to go. It's not yeah, yeah. So moving on to domestic issue. Um, violence in schools we had a splash last week but uh, incidents of violence in primary schools had increased the incidences of violence had increased in secondary schools as well and uh, this has prompted the education secretary jenny galuth to announce an emergency summit on school violence bringing uh, together experts and key stakeholders you pointed out that they do like a summit. They had one on poverty, and I think there's a couple of others on the way as well. Now, Chris, the record's got an ongoing campaign on school and youth violence, um, Our Children, Our Future. Uh, what did you make of this development of a summit? I think it's a very welcome development. It recognises not just the campaign the record has led, but it recognises the, the many parents and their children who've been victims of uh, this kind of violence that we're talking about. It recognises them coming forward and bravely sharing their own experiences because the records campaign never would have got off the ground if it wasn't for these voices from parents coming forward and saying, look, there's a serious problem here and something needs to be done. We need an intervention at government level to kind of try and sort this out because sadly, you know, bullying in schools is not a new issue. But what the campaign talks about is how it's been given a, a rather, you know, frightening new dimension. You know, all kids, you know, most teenagers now, they'll have a smartphone, they'll have, a, you know, a camera in their hands that they can record and film anything they want. And sadly, we are seeing example after example of kids filming other kids fighting and it then being shared often really widely on social media platforms like Facebook or YouTube. 
the social media giants, they say that you know they have robust you know measures in place to take this kind of thing down, remove them from the websites quickly. But so many times we've seen and the record has highlighted that they're not doing this anywhere near quickly enough and not before thousands of people have potentially seen these videos. So it's clear that you know there needs to be something to be done now. Schools obviously are, you know under council control, but ultimately the Scottish government does have power to kind of step in and say, look, you need to be stronger on this issue. And also, you know, when it comes to the tech giants, the Scottish government's very limited in what it can do. Ultimately, this is a reserved issue under the power of the UK government. So they have to make some noise and say to Westminster, you guys need to be leaning on these companies, most of which are obviously based in America, and saying to them, look, we're not going to tolerate this kind of stuff any longer. And a summit, I guess, that's going to bring these different strands together. And hopefully, you know, we can see some real change in the not-too-distant future. I should say that um, the Daily Record journalist Ruth Souter, um, it's been her campaign um, to shine a light on this youth school violence. She's done a terrific job. Uh, she's had some really excellent, hard-hitting scoops. And so I think we should really pay tribute to her journalism here. Um, ben, in terms of the summit itself, is this a long overdue bringing together of experts or, or do you fear that it could be a bit of a talking show? Um, I, I'd like to think it, 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 there's going to be progress, that, that there's going to be um, you know, some meaningful action taken. Jenny Gilruth, to be fair to her, has talked quite a good game since she came in. I, I don't know if her time as transport minister was quite as successful, but she's you know, she's an ex-teacher. She seems keen to tackle this. Uh, you know, just want to say, yeah, well done to Ruth and the record. It's been a good campaign. Um, I, I know the, the Tories have, have been on this as well. So it does look as though there's cross-party support here. But one thing I'd like to see is the Scottish government acknowledge that what's what's at heart, what the heart of this, what's behind this was the closure of schools during the pandemic. Mm. Not only in 2020, but then again in 2021, two very long periods where kids went without schooling for months and months on end. At the time, experts said, this is the wrong thing to do. The Express and, and you know various other parental campaigns got involved and, and, and constantly said, you need to reopen schools. And we were kind of. I was going to ask you about that, Ben. It was it was a sort of right wing extreme viewpoint hmm. on schools to reopen, and and well, we're seeing the impact here. This is why kids haven't suddenly become more violent. This is all because all these kids have missed virtually two years of schooling. Well, well Willie Rennie made that point last week. He explicitly linked the um, incidents of violence, or maybe the rise to lockdown. Um, and some of the problems that have come out as a result of lockdown. Is that how you see it? Absolutely, yeah, no, no, no question. Um, and I'd like to see the Scottish government acknowledge that and say, we got this wrong. We are, you know, Nicola Sturgeon should be apologising to the children of Scotland, not just because um, of, of what the Children's Commission has said about how They've failed kids in care. They've failed all the kids because we knew these schools shouldn't be closed. And yet, whether it was because of the teaching unions or 
just a general overreaction. The the the, the schools were shut down, and we're, we're reaping the problems now. Especially, mm. I mean, what one thing that was pointed out was that it's the kids who were in a transitional period. Um, those who who left primary school to go to high school are, are finding that the, the hardest kind of time at the moment because because they never got that transition. You know, that their first two years at high school were basically either spent at home or in uh, sat in an empty classroom with the windows open while politicians debated whether the tops and the bottoms of the doors should be sawn off. It's yeah, Not, I, a little I, bit, I, little bit the first step to resolving this is admitting that, that, that they got it wrong and they should have listened to the likes of the Express. So not a wee bit simplistic just to blame lockdown? Well, it's, it's not It's not the only factor, obviously, but it's the only thing that's changed since um, 2018 when you know, what, what else could have caused this surge in school classroom violence? I think we may have lost Chris. Um, so have, it's, going be, yeah. it's going to be a, a dual conversation okay. uh, between you and me. Um, just a final issue, Ben, uh, the, the police investigation into SNP finances. Now, it's completely dominated uh, Scottish politics for the last couple of months, but the last week, it's all gone a bit quiet. What, what's your reading of that? I mean, we, we are like cats in a hot tin roof, aren't we? We're we waiting to see if there's going to be another arrest or a re-arrest, but it's... It's all quiet in the Western Front. It is, yeah. Um, I mean, Ian Livingston today well, did address this at the uh, Scottish Police Authority meeting, um, and, and he said, you know, called, called for politicians to um, sort of stop speculating, and, and, and it, it appeared to be a, a sort of hands-off message, and, and said, look, we're going to carry on with this investigation at our own speed, and we won't give in to any attempt at political interference. He also said it's ongoing. You know, the, the, the timescale is set by the, the investigation itself. It, it certainly didn't sound like Ian Livingston was preparing to uh, announce that branch forms being wrapped up. So I, I think we're maybe, maybe having a Sorry? Maybe he was having a dig at Murray Foote uh, over his first record call in which he speculated that it could be a well goose chase. Who knows? Uh, yes, yeah, maybe. Well, yeah, certainly um, speculating on a live investigation. Yeah. Although we've been doing plenty of it ourselves. So. <laughs> I know, exactly. I, I think, um, I think there's, there's more to come, clearly. But, but yeah, it has gone a little bit quiet at the moment. We're still still um, waiting on Chris. I don't know if he's coming back or not. But let's let's go straight to um, good week, bad week, Ben. I mean, who's who do you think's up and who do you think's down? Um, I think um, bad week, Margaret Ferrier. The disgraced um, Margaret the disgraced Ferrier. Margaret Ferrier. Yes, uh, there's the, the I believe the vote is this. Is this afternoon at Westminster? Is, yeah, yeah. I, I would have thought it's a, a mere formality that she will be suspended for 30 days. It'd be very interesting to see how her former SNP colleagues vote. 
but I, I would say by tonight that'll be it. I, I believe it's just an automatic back, um, recall petition that'll be triggered. Doesn't so, seem so, to be any sort of um, sign of her doing the right thing and standing down. Doesn't doesn't seem to be. Maybe, I mean, maybe when the to save the the expense of a recall petition, maybe she'll go tonight. I, I mean, as I said before, if if there is a recall petition, I am sure ten percent of Rutherglen and Hamilton West voters will will want her gone. Um. I mean, that'll be an interesting um, story in itself. The first Scottish MP to be sacked mm. by her, her own constituents. Well, it's basically, she's um, going to try and wring every last drop of taxpayers' money that she can. <laughs> possibly. Possibly. I mean, you know, there's lots of MPs who, who ride this gravy train. I, I think, though, you, you, you know, you, you've got to hold your hands up. And, and when you've done something, so out of line as this, you know, 86 grand a year. No one wants to give that up, but no. I mean, who's going to employ a disgraced MP who jumped in a train when she had COVID? I mean, ironically, I think if I think if she resigned, she might have more of a future, mm. you know, because she can say, Look, I made a mistake, my head was mince because. You know, I think we've all had COVID by now. We all know it can kind of scramble your brain a bit. I mean, not to that extent that you go trailing around Westminster and visit churches and all God knows where, and then actually go on a train after testing positive. But all the same, I think if she'd have held her hands up immediately and said, look, I made a terrible mistake, I'm going to do the right thing, I think, you know, people would almost respect her for it. Whereas by trying to cling on, she's just lost all of that. So it's been a bad week, but it's a bad week that she thoroughly deserves. And good week. Um, I'm kind of thrown here by uh, Chris's departure. Oh, yes, I remember it was Anna Sawa. We were discussing before Anna Sawa. Um, Again, Anas is such a you know he's such a nice guy, such a capable politician, um, and and again I made this point before. Napoleon once said, "Give me lucky generals." Maybe he's a lucky Scottish Labour leader. I'm, I'm not sure he's any more talented a politician than those who've gone before him and have overseen one electoral disaster after another. You know, the likes of Jim Murphy. Really, sort of talented guys. Um, but yeah, I think that you know, with an ass, that he he's the man that when people come back to Labour, and it's it, it it's more through the SNP's collapse. Yeah, I think drive and determination are always important in a leader, but taking over at the right time yeah. is the most important thing. Because if you're swimming against the tide politically, you know, you could be Tony Blair, Obama, Clinton whatever, Reagan, it doesn't matter, a jaw. Um, you know, the, the political currents have to be with you, and that seems to be the case with Anas just now. Um, so listen, Ben, thanks for that. Um, I think that wraps up Planet Hollywood for another week. Thank you to Ben and to Chris, who I think disappeared into the, the internet either for a bit. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I hope you can Join us again next week.
It's important we look at the facts. Why? Why? Douglas Ross is sounding pretty scared. I believe in independence. And he clapped like a seal.